What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixty Cents Podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here. We we are recording during the NFC playoff game, not the Eagles. Congratulations to them. But we're playing during the, of course, Cowboys versus 49ers game. We are recording starting at halftime. So it'd be interesting if we get a Cowboys-Eagles NFC championship. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about Sixers, right guys? Well... Fly, Eagles, fly. I got to get that out the way. There's mm. a real team in the NFC that has a bird as its uh, <clears throat> as its mascot. I don't know anything <clears throat> about those Falcons down there in Georgia with Chris. But uh, Chris, do you, do you still have nightmares about Tom Brady causing your team to collapse in the Super Bowl? Oh, I, I have no claim to the Falcons. Oh. I mean, he should have uh, nightmares about the Colts doing the same thing this season. Right? Who's no. your team, Chris? You, you like the Colts? I don't know if I have a team. I guess I'm I'm half. I'll I, I don't know. I'll cheer for the Eagles and the Falcons. It depends <laughs> on the day. What's going on? He was probably a Falcons fan up until they they choked in the Super Bowl. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think we talked about that on the podcast when that yeah, happened. We did. We did. So before we begin, we're going to obviously talk about the Sacramento win five in a row. I want to take the beginning of this podcast to uh, let everybody know that this will be my final recording podcast with the Sixer since uh, moving on. I have some some other opportunities coming my way and but I can't move on without thanking Chris and Lucas, who when I say this, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I couldn't have asked for uh, anybody else better than you guys to guide me through this sports talk sports writing uh avenue that i'm now on and um you guys taught me a lot you guys have become more than friends you guys are like like my little brothers and just want to say that i appreciate both of you and i wish you both the best uh with everything you guys do absolutely same to you you deserve you deserve this man you got you got good things coming in your future Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You've done so much for the pod, Uriah, and so much for us. Yeah, yeah. This was not where it was, not even close with that. And then you came along, and you you propped us up a lot. You made us look really good. That's like a song. but appreciation. You came along and propped us up. (laughs) Look, put away the tissues, guys. Let's let's, uh, celebrate a little bit. The Sixers are on a nice win streak right now. If anybody said they would have won five in a row and went, just swept their uh, away games. I, I think they'd be lying, but 
the mm-hmm. Sixers went into Sacramento. There will be no uh, what's what's what are they saying Sacramento light the the beam or something like that. Yeah, yeah, light the uh, beam or something. Well, there was like no that. lighting any beams that night because the Sixers walked away with a win, one twenty nine to one twenty seven. Give you guys some team stats before you guys jump in. Uh, the Sixers, believe it or not, they out rebounded Sacramento forty six twenty nine. I don't think oh. I could remember a game where the Sixers out rebounded their opponent. Uh, twenty seven assists for the Sixers, twenty eight for Sacramento. The Sixers were turning the ball over a little too much, but luckily they they pulled out. They had fifteen turnovers compared to eight. They shot fifty two percent from the field, forty two percent from three point line. And uh, in terms of fast break points, not much fast breaks going on in this game. Sacramento uh, Sacramento had 11. The Sixers had 10 points in the paint. The Sixers had 70 compared to 56 for Sacramento. And I'm just looking at this real quick, this lead tracker chart going from left to right. And uh, all you see is purple, which represents uh, Sacramento. And they had the lead the entire game. And then right in the third quarter, you see it spike the opposite direction the Sixers took over and never let go so let's start with Chris on this one Chris what what stood out to you in this game when it comes to the starters no Joel Embiid no Harden what stood out to you Uh, yeah I mean that's that's the key point right no Joel no James I think just about everyone had written Philly off in this game Sacramento is a very good team they've been especially strong at home they're 15 and 10 at home now this year and they're a top four or five seed in the West. So that, that's a very legitimate team. And Philly has historically struggled without Joel, not to mention without James, too. So going into the game, most people were pretty comfortable chalking it up as a loss. So was I. At halftime, it felt that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sixers pulled it out. And they capped off what is now a 5-0 and West Coast road trip, which is not very common no matter how good you are to go to the opposite coast to win five in a row, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, who has been, you know, involved in a lot of different debates recently because he's coming off the bench uh, back in the starting lineup for this game, 41 minutes, 32 points, six assists, was pretty instrumental in helping them get this win at a huge second half, 21 of those 32 points, I believe, in the second half. Not his most efficient game, but his aggressiveness opened up so much for everyone on the court. And you just got to give him props for leading the team with, with the main guys out. Um, and Montrez, you know, we like to give him flack all the time on this podcast. 17 points, 7 of 8 from the field. Had a really strong, efficient night. Stepping in for Joel. Tobias was really good. His typical efficient self. Melton had a good game, scored 14 points, got three steals seven boards, five assists for good measure. Like everyone except for PJ Tucker stepped up and and they got the victory. Um, So, you know, it was a little close down the stretch there. A couple of key mistakes from uh, some, some players that I'm not going to mention by name, but the Sixers (laughs) ended up getting the victory and that's all that matters. You got to wait for the bench. We're going to talk about the bench soon. So (laughs) go ahead, Lucas. What'd you you take away from the starters? Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, uh, gosh, I mean, Chris, you, you, you touched on a lot of it. Um, I just like the fact that Maxi came in there and said, "Hey, guys, remember, I'm still a starter in this league. Thirty-two points, six assists. Maxi, 
If it wasn't for the injury, I, I think we, you know, we wouldn't even consider having Maxi coming off the bench. But now that that conversation is happening, and we'll talk more about it later. Montrez, like you said, played really good spot, spot minutes. Got another Tobias game. It's just it was a good game all around. PJ, like you said, I, I'm going to be working on an article soon about the potential Tucker trades. Um, tell you what, there's not many out there that make sense for both teams. So. You know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, guys. I for Tucker, but the rest of the starting five played fantastic. Yeah, Maxi just went in and and he took over. He scored from pretty much everywhere, inside, beyond, and he, he has this really unique way of he'll get to the basket, absorb contact, and still finish. And because he, he's so small, you don't expect that. And you know, mm-hmm. sometimes he'll get rejected, but in that game the other night, it was uh, it was his game to shine, and, and like you said, he scored over thirty points. So let's let's get to the uh, bench, and before we get to the negative, Chris, with you know who, let's talk about the positive. What, what did the bench do that stood out? To you? <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously, George Niang had a great night, three of five from deep, seven of twelve from the field for seventeen points. Um, closed the game. He's been pretty instrumental to this team all season at this point. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to close with a lot more games between now and the playoffs. So he, he deserves a lot of credit. Shake had a really productive all-around game, 15 points, six boards, seven dimes, five of 12 from the field. He's another guy who has just stepped up time and time again this year when the Sixers have needed him. So those two guys deserve a lot of credit. Daniel House hit both of his threes. Paul Reed had a really great 15 minutes um, off the bench with 9.7 boards. And, and Matisse Steibel also played. So, good good stuff. <laughs> Wait, did you say Daniel House? Is he he's still on the team? I didn't know he was still on the team. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was a very subtle way of just glad. That was graceful of you, Chris, about Steibel. That was graceful. He and I'm honestly surprised you didn't get Paul Reed more. He said Thibault played. Oh, he did say. Oh, yeah, he, he, did. he played. Yeah, but he yeah. didn't say any good things. Yeah, he played. Yeah, he didn't say anything quite. about I mean, Reed, which I'm sure you'll talk about. Luke. I mean, yeah, I was like, hang on, Reed had nine point seven rebounds. Like, usually he's given Paul. Reed. Have you given up on Paul Reed, Chris? No, Are you just I not said feeling the other day that he's like their best bench player? I have not given up on Paul. Reed. I mean, I. I mean, I I disagree. I think I think it's either Niang or Milton, but okay. I'm writing the um, redraft four fan sided and he's going to be a top 10 pick so i have i have not given up wow Paul Reed wow first off spoiler alert secondly biased a little bit maybe no absolutely uh, not he's after i Pokies, i think though. he there don't is. worry i mean poku you ready for a top uh, seven pick poku you're not <laughs> no no one is <laughs> anyway for me. uh look Daniel House, Chris kind of uh, crapped on him last podcast. Uh, you know, he played well in this game in limited minutes, plus 10 on the plus-minus scale. Like you said, hit both of his three-pointers. I don't think he played bad. Reed played as well as we thought he would. Niang, Niang, this is a this is Niang's – I think it's fair to say this is his career year so far. Now, I haven't looked at the stats, so I can't rightfully say, but 
based off of what he did in Utah and Indiana prior to coming here, this feels like in like last year, this feels like a career year for Niang, right? Am I crazy to say that or does it feel like it? No. Okay. Yeah. And then Milton, Milton's going to get paid at this point. Look, I don't think we're going to be able to afford to re-sign him in free agency. You mean, you mean shake, He's going to get paid. Shake Milton? Yeah, shake. Yeah, Mil- shake Milton. Yeah. yeah, I said Milton. Yeah, no, I yeah, I think Shake's going to get paid. Look, he's playing when when you have one or two starters out. He's playing starter level minutes coming off the bench. He's playing like a starter. I'm not sure if he's an NBA starter full time, but gosh, he's a really good reserve, and he's going to get paid. I'm I, you know I don't know how much, but I don't think the Sixers are going to be able to afford him based off of you know their taxes situation now. So kudos to kudos to those guys, absolutely. Yeah, Shake. Look, I I said it earlier this season. He's turned a corner, and he gets to the he gets to the basket. He finishes. He can score in the middle of the lane. He had a nice uh, turnaround spin move in the lane. He can hit. He, he can hit the open jumper. He can play make. I, I would argue he's probably as good as Harden when it comes to uh, being a lobber. Was that was that the right term? A lobber. Oh, okay. in the lob situation, like he'll put up some lobs, and he's been doing it consistently. Even back when we had Dwight Howard here, uh, Shake Milton had a nice uh, situation going on with him and some good chemistry. Uh, as far as Paul Reed is concerned, I I tweeted during the game, look, Reed needs more minutes, and if you think about his production off the glass. I mean, every time I turned around in that game and previous games, he's grabbing offensive rebounds left and right, and he's better around the basket, mm-hmm. putting back shots better than Tucker, who I can't even remember the last time he had a layup, let alone a dunk. So I think Reed is – I think he deserves more minutes. Uh, Thibel, I, I could not believe he he fouled the shooter on that play. I, I, I was like, when he came off the bench, I'm like, all right, my guy's in. He's going to clamp down whoever, you know. Not the Fox, first time Bible has fouled a three-point shooter. To be yeah, fair. but even I, Chris, I was like, I was pulling yeah. the I was like, why Why doesn't he learn his lesson? I, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. Uh, but anyway, let, let's wrap this conversation up and just talk real quickly about the Kings, who Chris mentioned earlier is a, a good team. They're third in third place right now in the Western Conference. Chris, like how surprised are you that, they're having the success that they're having right now um i mean i i would say it's surprising but it's not it's not you know inexplicable there's there's a pretty clear reason why it's happening um like like demontis Sabonis has been a all-star starting caliber player this season he's playing maybe the best basketball of his career he has unlocked Garen Fox, Kevin Herter, and a lot of other guys on that roster who are playing the best basketball of their careers. Mike Brown has done a pretty tremendous job as, as head coach, getting those guys motivated. Um, you know, they have a pretty deep and compelling supporting cast. Keegan Murray's really coming into his own as, as a rookie, starting caliber rookie on a good team, which is pretty rare. Harrison Barnes, Malik Monk, all those guys have, have had good seasons. So they're pretty legit. I don't, I don't think they're you know, in the top tier of contention. I don't think they're going to win the West necessarily, but they are a good enough team. They're going to make the playoffs, and they could be the kind of team that wins a series. Like, I think they're pretty legit. Well, still a lot of basketball left to be played, but I'm pretty impressed with them, and I think they're a really good team. 
Yeah, Chris hit on a lot of points here. Look, before the season started, I don't know if you guys remember this, but um, I forget who said it from ESPN. It was one of the uh, – gosh, who said it? But he was like, the Kings are going to make the playoffs. I was like, yeah, right. He said it during the summer. I forget who it was. Perkins? Chris, was it Chris? Perkins? Who? Uh, Perkins. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's he's an older older Zach columnist. Lowe. I just can't remember his name. No, 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 no. Tony Kornheiser? Oh, gosh. No, 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 no. Not that old. Um, That's all right. uh, He has his... It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. So, um, yeah, and I didn't believe it. Look, De'Aaron Fox has been one of the most clutch players in the NBA during the fourth quarter. He's... he Him and Sabonis both are putting up all-star worthy numbers. Sabonis probably is going to get the nod, I don't think. Fox will get it. Herter has been a steal for them. That he was basically a salary dump for the Hawks. That seems like a mistake now for Atlanta, and he's been playing fantastic for them, spacing the floor. Keegan Murray hasn't been quite what I was hoping he would be to start off, but he's still only a rookie. I think he'll get better. Um, his floor is Harrison Barnes, which is a pretty good player. And Harrison Barnes, he had 27 in this game. He's He's a really good leader in that locker room. They have a, they have one of the, you know, arguably that you you could argue they have a top five starting five in the NBA. Their 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 issue is depth. You know, you don't have a lot of two way players coming off that bench. Uh, Monk is a score. Uh, Mitchell and Holmes are defenders. Lyles not really anything good, just kind of okay at everything. Terrence Davis might have a chance to be something good, but they haven't developed him properly. So. Yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised, but I'm happy for them. They they need that playoff drought to end, and it's always more interesting in the NBA when the Kings are good because they're usually not. And if they are, that means shakeups happening, and that's always fun for fans. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're done talking about the Kings. Let's go to the other game where the Sixers were also victorious against the Blazers. So the Sixers in this game, they won this game 105-295. And the Sixers, as far as um, team stats, they had 43 team rebounds compared to 44. They had more assists, obviously, thanks to James Harden, who did play in this game. They had 24 assists total against 19 for the Blazers. The Sixers had more blocks, more steals. Defensively, they were definitely on point that evening. Less turnovers, 12 to 15. They shot 50% where the Blazers, and this is where they just could not get it together. They could not hit anything. They only shot 37.6%. It's going to be hard, whether you're playing on the road or at home, to beat anybody in the NBA if you can't hit 40% for an entire game. Uh, As far as fast break points, the Sixers got out and got some easy buckets, 19 to 12. Points in the paint, they dominated the paint which is surprising because Nurkic is pretty pretty solid center. They had 56 points in the paint. Uh, Joel Embiid had a, had a really good game, 32 points. Demian Lillard had 25 points. Chris, let's let's go to you first because I think you, you watched that whole game. I honestly did not see that whole game. But, Chris, what stood out to you in the Blazers game? Yeah, I mean, this was one of the better defensive efforts from Philly in a while, especially in that first half. Like you said, Portland just couldn't get much going. They scored 14 in the first quarter, only 20 in the second quarter. Second half was a bit more competitive. The Blazers made a couple of inroads, but still 10-point win, not not a lot of doubt about it. 
Um, so a really good defensive effort, which started with Joel, who had three blocks and a steal. You mentioned the offensive success, 32 points, nine boards. That's pretty much like what he's averaging. That's that's like standard Joel at this point. Um, yeah. So he deserves a lot of credit. James, 16 points, 14 assists, 10 rebounds. You'll take a triple-double any night of the week. Um, it was nice of Jeremy Grant to, to let him get that triple-double <laughs> at the end there, um, which I I, I thought it was nice. Um, a good max yeah, game on the bench. See. Yeah. Um, 15 on 12 shots for Tyrese in 29 minutes. One of his better games, ramping up to the Kings game, which was probably his best game back um, for obvious reasons. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, just a really impressive all around win. Coming off of three pretty difficult, well earned wins on the road already, this, this Western Coast trip has been pretty impressive all around. And Blazers are maybe not the team we thought they were early in the season, but they're no pushover. They're eleven and nine at home. This was in Portland, and and it was a pretty impressive win for the Sixers. Yeah, Chris pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Uh, Melton did a pretty good job locking down Dame Lillard. Lillard only had twenty five points, but that was on twenty one shots. He shot three of thirteen from downtown. Melton had two steals and a block, five points. He wasn't really effective on offense, but that's, I mean, offense is just, you know, a little bit of icing on the cake for the Sixers with Melton. So that's that's great. Like you said, Chris, James Harden, triple-double, always good to have. Joel's dominance is just expected now. 32 and 9 seems like the regular. Harris had a good game. Like you said, Tucker, like the Kings game, only had 19 minutes in this game was a plus 14 good but like didn't feel like he really contributed much so yeah no i i think overall the starters did a good job in this game hey real quick do you think that um jeremy grant talked to harden at, at any point before he he missed that shuttle purpose or you think he just did that and because harden was standing right there at the rim because I, I didn't see the game. Yeah, they, I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe. Felt like it was on purpose because there's really no other reason to, to take the shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeremy Grant giving back to the to the team that draft. Did we draft Jeremy Grant? Lucas. We did. We did. He was a process kid. 2015. Would you would you rather have him on this team than Tobias Harris? Ooh. Oh, questions that need to be answered. I know what Chris says. Uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> Come on. It's not that hard. I would say yes, but that's just based more or less on contract. Look, Jeremy Grant's a little bit better of a uh, defensive player. A little bit. Offensively, they're a pretty little similar. A little bit better. Come on. He's a lot better. He's not a, a lot, lot, lot better. What? Yeah, he's I, I think this that. season – look, look, if you would have talked Tobias to me about before this season totally... – Tobias is a fine Before the season, I would agree with you. But Tobias has been looking pretty good on defense, and Grant has kind of taken a step back because he's focused more on offense. So I think it kind of levels itself out more this season. I'm talking this season, Chris. Grant's been awesome on uh, that... this season. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All let's, right. Let's anyway. Let's move on. Let's move on. So what I want to do right now is give you guys some situations – that are going on with the Sixers. Obviously, they're on this win streak. Everything looks great. But the things that I'm going to reveal to you, it's, it's a small sample size, okay? We'll start off with 
the hottest topic related to the Sixers, which is Tyrese Maxey coming back. And Doc Rivers mentioning having three different lineups. Maxey being on the bench at the start of the game is one of them, coming off the bench as a sixth man. I want to know from you guys whether or not these situations are sustainable. And we'll go with Lucas first this time. Do you think that Maxey is a sixth man? Do you think this is good long-term? Do you think they'll have continued success with this? Can he be successful in this role? The answer is yes, of course. He, Tyrese Maxey is way overqualified for this role. Is this Could this be sustainable in terms of team chemistry, buy-in from Maxey, and his wanting his willingness to stay with the team long-term? I say no. I, I mean, Maxey's made it clear that he thinks he's a starter in this league. He insinuated that there, that, that statement from Doc has been false. And, I mean, look, the Sacramento Kings uh, game is kind of proof that, look, he's too good to be coming off the bench. And he needs more shots and more touches than what he's getting. So, yeah, I, I think I, I think in terms of his skill set, he's totally able to do it. But uh, he's a young guy. He's trying to make a name for himself. I think he probably doesn't want to be coming off the bench. And I, I don't blame him. He's trying to get paid. He, guess what? This uh, summer, he's extension eligible already believe it or not so yeah so he's trying to get paid i don't blame him for not you know saying what he said so from a ability standpoint yes from a mental standpoint and team chemistry long term look i mean if the Sixers win the championship he'll be okay but if they don't win the championship better believe he's going to be disgruntled this offseason and he might not want to sign a max an extension that's not a max which I believe he deserves the max extension, to be clear. All right, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think maybe we're overstating it a little bit. Like, he, again, he's still playing more minutes on average than Melton. He's closing games. It. You know what, well, about, about Chris, 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 I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you there. You know, him and Harden were playing about the same amount of minutes before the injuries happened, about 37 Maxie's been averaging about 29 or 28 coming off the bench since his return. Granted, some of that is ramp up. Some of that is he's coming off the bench. He's losing minutes. A lot of that's ramp up. A lot of that is the fact that Anthony Milton and Jake Milton played awesome basketball this season. So what you're saying is we got too much depth now. No, I I mean, (laughs) Maxie's been a good sport about it. He doesn't seem disgruntled at the moment. So, I mean, is it sustainable? I don't know. Should he be on the bench while PJ starts? I don't know. Probably not. But I, it doesn't really matter, I don't think, in, in terms of how, you know, the Sixers are going to be successful either way. Um, there's plenty of evidence to support him as a sixth man, frankly. Like, Milton starting next to Harden makes a lot of sense defensively. Like, there are I'm not saying that it doesn't. reasons for it. Um, like, he's... He can't leave in free agency. He's a restricted free agent. He basically can't. Well, leave no, no, no. He can't leave in free agency anyway. This off season, he would still be on his te- I know, rookie but deal. I'm but I'm saying it like he can be disgruntled, but it almost doesn't matter. He's just, he's not in a position to force a trade anytime soon. Sixers mm. gonna pay him anyways. Tyler Hero was the sick man for the first few years of his career. He got paid. It, it's not mm. uncommon for guards like Maxi to come off the bench. Like, I, I really don't maybe think it's as big of a deal as we're making it out to be. Um, so, yeah, okay. I, I'd say it's sustainable. I don't know if he's going to stay in that role. I, I would imagine that he moves into the starting lineup at some point. 
probably in the near future. But if he doesn't, Sixers are have won like every game since he's been moved to the bench. They're still going to keep winning those games. They're the two seed in the East right now. It's hard to like say it's not working because the results speak for themselves. So. Yeah, I think we'll just have to wait and we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Maybe he just has to warm up to the idea of coming off the bench, even though he knows in his mind and he stated such as uh, in the press conference after a game that he is a starter in this league. So I I see where both of you are coming from. And I think both have plenty of overqualified six men, though. Like, again, Hero was an overqualified six man. Malcolm Brogdon is coming off the bench this year. He's a starting level player. Like, they're. He's not alone. There are plenty of great players who come off the bench. Manu is, was a Hall of Fame sick man. So, you know, you can still influence the game quite significantly, yeah. even if you don't start the game. So, you know. so this, this next topic, guys, is one that I think we were all waiting for. And I'm talking about the Embiid, Harden, pick and roll. Now, as of, I'd say the past... 10, 15 games, it's starting to come together, and it looks great. I've heard many analysts on TV say, oh, it's unstoppable, it's unstoppable. But we know, come playoff time, when adjustments need to be made, you have some really smart coaching staffs out here in the NBA, especially with the top teams. You have some really great players who can adjust and, you know, watch tape. You know, like, how do you stop something, you know, that was successful in the middle of the season when it comes to the end of the season? I mean, Stuff can be adjusted. So my question to you is, is this sustainable, this success with the pick and roll? Do you think it's going to it's gonna be this successful for the duration of the season? Let's go with uh, Lucas first. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's one of the best pick and rolls. There's no way to stop it. Look, you, you, you sag off of Harden. He's been taking more sorry, mid-range shots than he has in his whole entire career and being pretty efficient with it, by the way. Or you let, you know, trap Harden or, you know, whatever to Harden, he passes it off, Joel's ready. The only way you defend it is if you can try to anticipate the pass, but even then that's, you know, Harden can make you pay on that. So, or Harden will just hit somebody else, whoever is helping. So, yeah, I think it's sustainable. It's been sustainable for pretty much a year now because we're getting close up on the trade deadline. It was, you know, despite them barely playing with each other, it was pretty good. They were pretty good at it last season and then this season it's only gotten better yeah i I mean james and joel are leading the nba in like assist to point between two players by a pretty healthy margin i there's no reason that's going to stop it it pretty much has been unstoppable i mean joel is just walking into open pick and pop 12 foot jumpers every game when he does roll he's a very talented finisher who's very hard to stop going downhill like it's very hard to stop these are two of the best offensive players in the nba i would not hesitate to call that probably the best offensive two-man game in the league right now and playoff adjustments will be made defenses will key in on it but you know joel and james are two very talented isolation players the sixers have guys who can score um you know, if they're passed to off of, against the rotating defense, Tyrese is great at that stuff. So if they have to go to ISO with Joel on the nail or James up top, they, they have guys who can create off of that. James, Joel, pardon me, has been better than ever at passing under doubles. So it's going to be really hard to slow down this team full stop, even in the playoffs, as long as they're healthy. So I, I would say it's pretty hard not to be excited about how that, that duo has progressed. 
I'm yeah. a, I think I have to say take the uh, the negative route where when you look at the playoffs and you have top tier teams like Milwaukee and Boston, for example, Marcus Smart, one of the top defenders, defensive player of the year last year, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who also has Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday on, on the same team, good coaches both on both teams. I think in the playoffs, this, the pick and roll, if it, if it doesn't work, they're going to need the bench to really step up, which is why, although it is nice to have this duo, this tandem that's so effective in the regular season against subpar teams, which on this road trip, let's just call it what it is. These teams are not top contenders. I think, I think it just remains to be seen. I'm not confident just because I, I just, you know, we've been let down too many times with this team. But let's move on to the next situation, and that is the bench rotation. As of right now, we've seen Doc go through different lineups and give guys different minutes, probably based on matchup, right? It just makes mm -hmm. sense. But, Lucas, do you think that the current rotation that Doc has, has kind of, like, tuned into, do you think it's sustainable for the wins that they're trying to get? Well, let's let's evaluate and stay who's in the rotation right now first before I answer that. So we got Maxi coming off the bench right now, right? We'll, we'll say that. Let's just say that that's the case moving into the playoffs. We got Maxi coming off the bench. Then you have Shake. And then you have Niang, Harold, and sometimes Thibault, right? Yeah. So let's just cut out Thibault because I don't what think. What about Reed? What about Paul Reed? Reed? Reed's not in the rotation regularly. Doc goes with okay. Harold more. Yeah. Okay, let's just say it's, it's Harold, right? So in the playoffs – We've seen at least two of those guys get played off the floor. And Niang, because as much as we love Niang, Miami took advantage of him. And then we've seen it multiple times with Harold that he got played off the floor when he was with the Clippers and Lakers, right? So then that really only leaves you Tyrese and Shake. Tyrese is a defensive liability, but his offense makes, makes it okay. Mm -hmm. And then Shake, Shake has had his moments in the playoffs that he's looked really good. So really what you're telling me is that we have one and a half to two good rotation bench players that we can rely on. Unless Doc does go to Paul Reed in the playoffs, then we have three, which is enough to get through the playoffs. That's what you need, at least three guys coming off the bench that you have. So is it sustainable? I'm going to say maybe. It depends on if Doc can finally get his head out of his butt about Paul Reed, but, you know, James Harden loves playing with Montrez, so we'll see. I don't know how much that's James versus Doc. We'll uh, that feels more of a Doc thing than a James thing. But I don't know, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean it's it's definitely sustainable for the regular season. Like George, say whatever you will about his playoff performance. He's oh yeah, no regular season is sustainable. He's Absolutely, awesome. season player. Awesome. I think, frankly. Trez is a fine regular season backup too. It, the Same. playoffs are a different story. Um, but yeah, look, playoffs, it, it's going to come down to health. Like the Sixers just need to be healthy. If they're healthy and if they stagger James and Joel like they should, which I, I think they probably will come postseason time because they did it mm -hmm. last year, you don't really need more than one or two good bench pieces. You shouldn't really be playing more than like eight guys in the playoffs anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah Tyrese yeah. and Shake and Melton, PJ, all those guys are going to get plenty of minutes. You know, hopefully he goes to Paul Reed at some point instead of Montrez, but Bible, Furcon, House, those guys just aren't going to play and they don't need to play. So 
can they afford like one or two critical injuries? No, they're not that kind of deep. But as long as everyone's healthy, I, I think it's pretty sustainable because we've seen Jake step up in the playoffs before and he's having the best year of his career. Frankly, I mean, George has been a lot better on defense this year than he was last year. So maybe you can even hope that he is a bit more reliable in that setting. The shooting obviously has value no matter what. And what about house? Can we trust house? And do you you think we can trust house in the playoffs, Chris? Probably not. Like you can't trust him in the regular season so far. Is it defensively or offensively? Because I feel defensively, he would be fine in the playoffs. Defensively. I'm sure he'd be fine, but you need guys who can do both on a consistent yeah, that's true. level, um, which is why Thibault didn't like Thibault can defend in the playoffs, but he just hasn't been able to play offense in the playoffs. Yeah. Yet. So yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. I mean, Thibault is having the best offensive, some of the best offensive stretches we've seen from him lately. So even there's some reason for optimism on that front, maybe like, like I, I think they'll be fine with the guys. there. Um, so I, I do think it's pretty sustainable. Okay. All right, let's move on. And the last topic of tonight has to do with the rotation. And I think you guys pretty much wrapped up the first part, whether or not this roster is good enough as it is. Actually, you know what? Let's dive into that. Uh, Chris, let's go to you first. Do you think that the Sixers right now, as of January 22nd, 2023, do you think that this roster is good enough for the Sixers to make a deep playoff run? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, we say it every year, but Joel is is one of the best players on the face of the earth. James Harden is still a top 20-ish guy in the NBA. Like, that, those two alone guarantee you some chance in, in the East. Maxi, Melton, Tobias, these are all very good supporting pieces. And, and you know... I, I do think they have a chance. They're the number two seed in the East right now. They're going to win plenty of regular season games. It ultimately will come down to health. Joel has literally never been healthy in the playoffs pretty much up to this point, which is just bad luck as much as anything else. Um, You know, it's fair to be concerned about how his specific style of play and position on the court maybe leads to injuries, but, like, it's been bad luck. Really nothing more than that with Joel. If he can stay healthy... And if James can stay healthy, they have to do a good job of maintaining, you know, watching James's minutes and making sure he's not running on fumes by the playoffs. That'll be something that we need to monitor over the next few months. That's a but really if James good point. Is healthy, Real quick, I forgot yeah. to I forgot to mention. So does that mean, Chris, that the Sixers, in your opinion, do not need to make any moves by the trade line? Is that do you agree with that? I, I would encourage them to try to make moves to get better if they're out there. Um, I, I don't think they are the favorites in the East. I don't think they're locks to be like in the conference finals or anything, but I, I do think they have a chance as built to, to win the East. They're in the mix. I, I think Boston is a pretty heavy favorite right now. And I would say Milwaukee is ahead of them too, but they're in the mix. So let me just say, in terms of overall grand view of it, I I agree with Chris on the grand scheme of things. Yes, they have a chance. But I'm going to be a little bit more cynical that saying, no, I do think they need to make a trade. Like Chris said, even though Milwaukee is horrendous offensively right now, even before the honest injury, because Chris Middleton's barely played, and when he has played, he's just looked awful. Um, We don't know if they're going to be healthy enough. The gap between Philly and Milwaukee is shrinking. 
It used to be like it was like here at the beginning of the season. Now it's like this. Like Cleveland's, I don't think Cleveland's there yet unless they can get a big wing and maybe one other guy coming off the bench, then maybe they, they're better than us. But right now I still think we're ahead of Cleveland. I think we're third in terms of overall skill because unless, Dur- you know, Durant's going to come back, the Nets are going to be a problem as long as Durant's there. But I still think, feel like we're just going to out-muscle them inside and win that playoff series. I still think experience helps us against the Cavs. Milwaukee, I think we're just – I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a big man. Maybe it's another wing. But we need at least one more guy. And we have the ammunition to make the trade. Not so much in picks, right. but we have, you know, Cork Moss. You could throw it. Look, if you well, could swap we'll, me – We'll get into that next. Like, okay, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. So but, you, yeah. So you think we need another piece, essentially? I think we need one more piece, yeah. I okay. think we do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chris, are you there? I don't see you there. Uh, he's it. He's there. Okay. All right. I don't see you on my screen. All right. Anyway, so the next, the last topic has to do with specific players that you guys believe are on the chopping block. So uh, you can only pick two, even though there's quite a few of them. So if the Sixers did make a trade, which players do you believe are most likely to be traded before the deadline in the next coming weeks? So I'm just going to throw players out there that, uh, in my opinion, maybe don't get that much uh get that many minutes and maybe their role is not as significant as some of the other players so we'll go with uh daniel house jr matisse Thybul, furkan korkmaz paul reed montrez harrell pj tucker Jaden springer and i'll put shake milton in there just for argument's sake so we'll go to chris first do you uh, who do you think pick two out of that that bunch um i I mean, I think they're probably going to look, if they can't make the big move to just cut salary, that's what the reporting suggests um, from Jake Fisher at Yahoo. So I I would say Moss is in danger there. I think they would just actively try to cut his contract, maybe mm-hmm. package a second-round pick to get rid of him if, if it comes to that. So I would I would say there's a very good chance that Furkan is gone because he's not in the rotation and he's – probably more expensive than, than he's worth at this point um, to mm-hmm. Philly. Um, next guy, I, you know, there's a chance that Springer gets thrown out there for, for cap purposes too. I, I would say Thibault is interesting because I still don't, I'm not convinced Philly would want to pay him. And <laughs> I don't even know what he would command on the open market at this point, but you know, his contract is coming to a close. He hasn't really done anything in the playoffs yet. He's still on the very fringes of the rotation right now. You know, if they're going to try to make a real move to get a real piece, you have to give something to get something. And Furkan, Montrez, PJ, Daniel House, those guys just aren't moving the needle for teams around the NBA right now. Thibault's a guy who still might move the needle a little bit. So if they are going to make a real move to get a real, like, rotation-level player... I would assume it includes Thibel. So I'll say Thibel and Porkmas would be my two picks here. Look, in terms of players that I would want them to trade, I would want them to trade PJ Tucker for, and I'm going to give you a little sneak peek in my article. It's going to be Jay Crowder is going to be one of them. Right. Uh, I, I think Jay Crowder is an upgrade. He personnel in terms of temperament and you know locker room presence. I think Jay Crowder brings very similar aspects to it, and he's a better offensive and arguably defensive player, despite not playing this year. 
Um, so that's the trade that I would like to see. But in terms of who I actually think they will trade, mm-hmm. I, I think Quark Maz is one of them. Look, he's second longest tenured player now behind Joel. The contract's not a good one looking moving forward. Five you can million, trade it. Right? Five, five million, million. yeah. Um, and you can get solid value in return. So Quark Maz is one of them. You know, if you if you trade him for a big man, you could probably get you could probably get a solid backup for him. Um, and the other player. This is where it gets uh, tr- tricky because, like, part of me wants to say you could package Corkmaz and House together because House is making what the the six point four million. Chris, is that it? He, he's got the biannual exception, right? I don't think it's six million. I think it's uh. Is it four point six or is it six point four? It's four point one. Okay, four point one. So that gets you close to uh, ten million there with those two. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could get a solid, you know, rotation okay. player for nine million. Here's the thing: is it's not like they're one-year deals, right? House has a player option that he's probably going to pick up four point yeah. next year. Furgon, I believe, also has an extra year on his contract. So, yeah, like trading these guys will be tricky. Yeah, multi-year commitments to guys who might not play for any other team because they just haven't maybe this year. It depends on how much your team needs shooting for Corkmaz and for how. I mean, you're not going to get a player for Corkmaz and House. I don't think. I don't. I don't know. The like you said, the the best trade chip if you're going to try to make a big swing is Thibel, all defensive player. Like you said, we all love him, but like Shake, you're going to have to give up good players to get good players. That's just. And and you might want to trade Shake because you're not going to be able to resign him. You're not. So you might trade Shake. Gives you more but minutes Shake, for Maxi. Shake gives you a, a better chance in the playoffs. You I, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying, like, you're not going to be able to re-sign him if you can get a better player or just as good of a player for him. The only tricky part with Shake is he's on a minimum deal. So trading him is going to be – you're going to have to put him with somebody else that makes more money. And even then, it's not going to, like, equal a lot of money. So – yeah, I'm, I'm going to say the two players that I think probably will be traded is, like Chris said, I agree with Chris, Corkmaz and Thibel. Let's let's bring back Isaiah Joe, uh, somebody else for a Corkmaz, uh, and Charles Bassey for P.J. Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody else. You see, you're, you're speaking my language. I don't think San Antonio – I you look, you, the you Thunder counts on that. Are you seeing what he's, he's doing in OKC? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. The Sixers were idiots to let him go. I think, I think we all agree on that. Starting for the Sixers right now. Oh, my God. That, that's another story. I'm t- uh, Chris, I had a vision. I was like, Maxi and Joe, backcourt of the future. But no. Someone no, knows more no, than no, no. the Sixers. Guys, I've, I've been the Isaiah Joe drum plenty. Um, okay. I don't think feel like this is a Maury move. I feel like this was a Doc Rivers saying, I'm not going to play young people. I mean, yeah, it's a salary thing too, but like it feels like a Doc Rivers, like, oh, Doc isn't going to play him anyway. Let's just get rid of these two guys. Yeah. Um, All right. Gentlemen. Yeah. I think that that's it for tonight. And I just want to say one more time uh, it's been a great experience with you guys on the Sixer Sense. I will still be writing some historic pieces for the site. So I am still going to be part 
what you guys are doing. I just won't be part of the podcast, but I know you guys are going to keep it going strong and, and I'll be listening to you guys every week. Well, cool. thanks to you, man. Again, thanks, man. Appreciate it. But appreciation from us. Yeah. All right, Chris, play us out, man. Yeah. So to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to the Six Cents podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Audible, all that fun stuff. You can also listen as well as read our written work at the com. And we're on Twitter and Facebook at Sixer Sense. So until next time, peace out. Go Sixers. Go Birds. And we'll, we'll talk to birds. you Birds. Fly Eagles. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.